What's up, guys? In this episode, I interview Marcus Giuliano, and he is an amazing individual. He's a chef. He's a restaurant owner. He's an author. He's a restaurant business coach. This guy has done so many amazing things in the food and hospitality industry, and it was such a pleasure speaking with him. He's got incredible tips on how you can bring in customers to your restaurant, um, Really interesting stuff that I personally had never heard before until speaking with Marcus. Um, he's got a ton of amazing knowledge I want you to listen to because I know you will benefit from. So without further ado, let's jump straight into this thing. Hi, my name is Brett Linkletter, CEO and co-founder of DineLine, a restaurant growth agency. Right now, you're listening to our podcast, Restaurant Misfits, where we'll discuss all things related to restaurant marketing, management, and everything else in between growing a restaurant business. Scaling a restaurant today takes much more than having grit and hustle. In this age, it's about utilizing the newest technology available, consistently educating yourself on new platforms and trends, and having a deep understanding of how this industry is so rapidly changing. This podcast is dedicated to keeping you up to speed with the latest and greatest through interviewing the biggest and best in the restaurant industry. Additionally, this podcast is also brought to you in collaboration with Total Food Service. For over 30 years, Total Food Service has provided the restaurant and food service industry with exclusive interviews to the latest news on products, trends, associations, and events. You can sign up for a free monthly subscription by visiting TotalFood.com today. And from all the misfits over here, we hope you enjoy the show. Marcus, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Awesome, awesome. I'm so excited to chat, man, because... So we had like just a brief chat. I know you you uh, booked a call with our with our company, and we were just you know talking. And I was just thinking to myself, literally in the first five minutes, God, this guy is so cool. He's got such an interesting background. Uh, he's got a YouTube channel with a hundred thousand followers, and, what twenty four million views. And I was like, and you just start spitting knowledge. And I was just like, I gotta get this guy in the podcast. So I <laughs> I'm glad we're here. Um, but Marcus, for everyone who's who's listening and has no idea who you are, uh, maybe they've they've never seen your YouTube or anything like that. Uh, even though it is so massive, honestly, uh, <laughs> can you just can you just give us uh, and all the listeners kind of a quick background on yourself and who you are and what you do? Absolutely, hundred percent. So I'm a professionally trained chef. Uh, started cooking in the late '80s uh, up in the Catskills in uh, in New York, and um, decided at my senior year of high school, like, hey, I really want to do this as a career. I want to, I want to be a chef. I want to be one of those, one of those cool chefs. This is long before like the food network was out there and all that kind of stuff. So you didn't really yeah. have like the glamor that the chefs have now, the celebrity status. I mean, yeah, you had Wolfgang Puck and a few others doing their thing, but I, I always, I was like, man, I just want to run like a hotel kitchen. I want to, you know, I want to, I want to cook. I love eating. I come from an Italian family. It all goes together, right? Why not get paid for something I, I love to do? I love to eat, love to cook. So went to culinary school, um, went into the Greenbrier in West Virginia, went to uh, the Broadmoor in Colorado Springs, learned under some really good chefs. And I'm the kind of person that, that, that I like to network. I'm a people person. Mm. I like to network. And I leveraged both of those jobs to get to my next level, to get to my next level. I always tried to leverage a job. I, I was a very diligent worker. I was on time. I was early, a matter of fact, stayed yeah. late, punched out, got my work done. And I was one of those ideal employees that just, you know, rushed around, worked hard and got my got my stuff done. And um, so 
wherever I worked, the chefs always took me under their wing and wanted to see me do more and go farther. And I was like, jumped right on board. So after going to the Greenbrier, the Broadmoor, um, I was able to get into La Tante Claire in England, in London, uh, Michelin three-star, Pierre Kaufman. Kaufman was one who trained Gordon Ramsay and Marco Pierre White and came back to the U.S. and had job offers left and right. You know, when you work in a Michelin three-star like that, as a yeah. line cook, you, uh, you, you, get, you get people's attention. And I could have moved anywhere across the country, moved to Colorado, went out there and stayed at the Broadmoor for a little while and then um, became a partner in a restaurant because I was getting people's attention. So somebody pulled me in as a partner. And right from the very beginning, you know, we had our first month, we did $101,000 our first month. And then I couldn't figure out why, like we went down to 75 and went down to 65 and then hovering at like, you know, 60 to 70 grand a month. I'm like, man, we had our first month was our best month. And two years later, I'm so we're just getting back up to that hundred thousand level in two years. I'm like, there's gotta be a, a better way to shorten that process. Right. Cause we started out yeah. there like, like, why can't we keep going forward with momentum? And back then you didn't have the digital world. You know, you wanted to, you wanted to get publicity. You had to send out a press release. You had to really like network with people. And I got in really well with one of the food editors out there, Teresa Farney from Colorado Springs Gazette. And she saw one of my cooking classes at the Broadmoor. And she just randomly wrote about me. So I called her office and said, hey, I'm the one you wrote an article on. And she was, oh, my gosh, I was in your class. That whole dissertation you gave on salt was amazing. Um, so knowledgeable. Um, and I started working hand in hand with her. And I became like her right hand chef out there to do all these projects. And um, and so the restaurant was getting attention slowly. And um, and I was like, the whole thing, of this is people have to know where you're at, like who you are. Like yeah. you've got to you've got to toot your own horn. And. And a lot of chefs, we're all stubborn, right? We're all stubborn chefs. And we think that my food and my service is enough to keep me in business. And the reality is that never really worked. People find you in a much different way now than they found you in, in the 1985 Zagat guide, right? That's how they found you back then. But still, yeah. you had to you had to still get in that guide. You still had to, you know, which just wasn't, it was different. And nowadays, and what, is, what does somebody see on a day? I forgot what, the, what, what it is. What does somebody see, like 80,000 messages a day or something? Like you see yeah. a truck drive past you and it, everything's constantly an ad, 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 ad. And you have to learn how to stand out. When I opened my own restaurant in New York in 2003 in upstate New York, I took, my, took, took a second mortgage on my house. I took extra loans. I did what I could do to scrape money together. I did not ask any of my, any of my family. You know, it was just... Hey, I'm going to be my own restaurant now. It's my own deal. And I saw my, my, what was my life savings in the beginning there um, just dwindle away within months. And I'm yeah. like, man, like, like I should be filing bankruptcy right now. Like I have no money. So what I started doing is I started working harder, not smarter, harder. I started working more. I started getting rid of staff because like, I can do the cooking myself, right? Like at the time in 2003, what was minimum wage? $8, $9 an hour. So I got stuck doing a $9 an hour job of cutting carrots, being chained to the stove, taking care of everything. And this happened for like three, four years. And the food was really good because it was, it was great because I was behind there. I was doing everything. And one night, um, a friend of mine that I just met a couple months prior, he was coming in because he loved our food. And he called me out, out to the to the table one night and said, you know, and really formally introduced himself. And after he left, I looked him up and I was like, holy crap, this guy owns nine restaurants in New York City. I was like, he has an award-winning wine list. He has 
he has like literally bought the JFK wine cellar. I'm like, this guy's no joke. Yeah. And, and the next time he came in, we, you know, we became more friendlier and more friendlier because we both like good food, both like good wine. And, and he just liked, liked me to begin with and our concept. And one day he said to me, he goes, Marcus, I own nine restaurants and you work harder than I do. And I was speechless. I didn't know what to say. Yeah. He was right. He was totally right. Like I keep thinking that cutting more carrots faster, cutting carrots faster, doing this is going to make me get ahead. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. And sure, I, I stabilized my finances in the summertime, went broke in the wintertime trying to, you know, and you go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So I always knew that knowledge was key. And I had been to a Tony Robbins event before, um, been to two Tony Robbins events right when we opened. And I kind of knew that there was a better answer to doing than what I was doing. So I kept seeing ads like, you know, grow your restaurant sales, just like the stuff that you do. And, and one mm-hmm. particular one caught my attention. And I drove to Boston with my wife. We couldn't afford a hotel room. We slept in the car. We went to this conference and it was all about loyalty programs and joining a mastermind group and surrounding yourself with peers that are making it in the business and successful. We had no money. I don't know how we did it, but we, it was a thousand dollars a month to pay for a mastermind. Plus you had to pay for travel to get there and hotels and everything. And we just said, this feels so right. They're talking about, you know, think and grow rich, um, the mastermind concept. I mean, all, all this great stuff. I'm like, I could totally, totally vibed with that. We joined the group. Didn't know we could afford it. We couldn't afford it. And we did that group for 11 years. And that group was, I didn't miss a meeting in 11 years. Traveled to all parts of the country, into Canada, went to every meeting. I ended up starting to speak for the mastermind and get on stage and start, uh, you know, start start dropping all the knowledge. Wait, wait, sorry, you said, was it Tony Robbins or what was it? Was it something else? No, this was something else. This was a, this was a Bill Glazer spinoff. And um, it was a Bill Glazer spinoff and Tim Paulson and, you know, some people that were in um, in the, um, um, the Genius Network. A couple people that were out of the Genius Network and somebody and Bill Glazer, of course, was the master marketer. And I probably have this yeah outrageous marketing book here and this stuff like here. I mean, just yeah. outrageous marketing. Right. So this is this is the kind of stuff we're exposed to, like direct mailings um, instead of direct mailing. You know, send them a huge six by nine or nine by eleven postcard with, with their name on a custom a custom field printed, or stick a cork in an envelope and invite them to your wine dinner, which we started doing, and we started doing things like that that made our mailing stand out, that made us stand out. But prior to that, when I first opened, I knew when I first opened, the key was email marketing back then. Right in two thousand four, you had about an eighty five percent open rate. I mean, you could send <laughs> you could send a piece of crap emoji and people would open it, right? Wasn't it great? <laughs> yeah. They would just open it. So, you know, long before, you know, Constant Contact and MailChimp and Active Campaign and all those kinds of stuff, you'd send out, you know, through Gmail or through Outlook and, you know, and, and it wasn't the right way to do it, nor was it the legal way to do it. But a lot of people were doing it. And you're like, man, I got one glitch in this email. Whose email just has thrown this off? This won't send. You can only send batches of 50. And I remember we used to send emails out and we used to get responses like tonight, new on the wine list. Is this wine and new is this entree special? Yeah. And we get responses. So early on, like 2005, we, it's our anniversary, we opened up New Year's Eve. So January is our anniversary month. And I was going to, I tried to place ads in the wintertime. So I tried to save a little money in the summertime to place ads that weren't working in the wintertime to think I was getting business, but only to waste my money. And the one year I was like, you know, I'm done placing these ads. 
So I sent out a email. Hey, it's our anniversary. Come get your gift. That's our gift to you, an anniversary offer. And I gave them a, a sliding scale gift certificate. On our slowest days, it was worth 20 bucks off the purchase of for two people dining in, in dining. Then on like the weekends, it was like $10. On Thursdays, we gave 15 off. And it was just some little cheap thing. We went and printed at the local print shop, nothing major. And we emailed this out. If you want to get your anniversary certificate, we're giving out 25 of these. And um, email us back within 10 minutes with a small list of like 700 people. I got back 25 like that. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm at the max. And I was like, well, wait a second. Why stop? If they're going to come yeah. in and give me money, why stop and limit it at 25? <clears throat> we gave out like 330 that first year. Wait, 330 out of the 700 on your list? Yes. That's <laughs> how effective email marketing was back then, right? Wow. So, um, and that January was a busy January. It was a really busy January. I'm like, this is fantastic. So we did it the following year and did it the following year. So I kind of had some techniques in the beginning that I kind of knew. But once I joined that mastermind group, it was like, oh, yeah, this is how you market. This is how you create a hook. This is how you do your ROI. The basics. This is how, yeah. this is how you build a database. This is why you want to build a database. This is why direct mailing works. This is why this works. And, you know, and you have people in the room. One guy took his donut shop from 500000 to $1.8 million in like four or five years from these techniques and you're sitting next to all these people that are doing this another friend of mine who i came very friendly with he went from one restaurant to living in a trailer to four restaurants and it's just basic you know um things that we're not taught as chefs as marketers it's direct you know it's, it's direct marketing it's collecting a database it's, it's communicating we do handwritten postcards we've been doing handwritten postcards for years our staff every night has to do at least three four five handwritten postcards a night and wow. you know, say, you know, thanks for dining with us. Thanks for celebrating your birthday with us. Glad you enjoyed your your ribeye steak. Thanks. But here's, the, but, here's, but here's the thing. Your your background as a chef, of course you didn't learn any of this stuff, and of course this is all brand new to you. But I what I like about you in general is that you you took that leap forward to learn this stuff. Where I feel like so many restaurant owners in general are just so resistant to it. Like I talk about a lot of my other podcasts. But like, why, why is that? Like, why is there such a resistance in our industry to People embrace digital? Like, I feel like, I mean, I've done so many other brands before I did just restaurants and it's just a restaurant thing or it's, it's it more, is. It's it, crazy is. it is, it is every single chef, it. every single chef that I've ever has ever told me, I don't advertise is out of business. Every it's single so one, because they, they brag they feel, about it. I don't advertise. It's an ego think, thing. I yeah. think that my food is better than everybody else's. And you're going to travel to me for my food and it doesn't matter. And it's an ego thing. And every single chef that's ever told me that has been out of business. That's interesting. Yeah. It's just, it, you're right. It's totally an ego thing. It's like, Oh, you know, as long as you serve great food and great service, people are going to come in. Well, I, like such an ego thing, like Jesus. And it, it's like, even, even in my business, right. Cause you know, we obviously serve restaurants. That's what we do. We help restaurants reach new people, get them in the door, get them to come back. And I'm confident in my service, but I have absolutely zero ego in the fact that I don't need to advertise. We spend tons on advertising. Every business should advertise, no matter how you big you budget. are. You have to budget for it. You raise your prices so you can have a loss leader. You raise your prices so you can spend money on, on, on lead generation. You raise your prices so everything's built in to that. Yep. Um, and people don't understand, well, I don't have the money for it. So raise your prices a buck. And you know every night you'll have 50 extra bucks for marketing. 
It's yeah. as simple as that. <laughs> and that fifty bucks agree. could turn into a thousand dollars if it's done right. And then you're going to stop that cycle of chasing your tail all the time. I but like it's so that. hard to get people to do that. And here's the best thing: when I talk to people, I'm like, you know, if you just raised every price on your menu four cents, you got rid of that ninety-five and went to ninety-nine, and you sell so many items like a week of this and this. At the end of the year, that's three, four thousand dollars of yeah. free money. And they're like, oh really wow, like point. there's your ad money. You're already four, nobody's going to balk over nine ninety-five or nine ninety-nine. Nobody's yeah. going to balk over five forty-nine or five seventy uh, four seventy-five. Right. You can, there's that psychology of that marketing that you can easily take the menu pricing up to the next level without really offending anybody at all or them even noticing it. Right. Yeah. So you, you got the money right there in front of you anyway. You're just not utilizing it correctly. That's a really fair point. I mean, here's the thing, too. I always tell restaurant owners is like, hey, like with minimum wages going up, with food costs going up, you have to raise your prices. Like yes. there's just this, this this fear about it. People don't want to do it. It's just like. What do, you, what do you what do you mean? Your costs are going up. You got to look out for your profit margins, especially with all these third party delivery apps who've taken what 20, 30 percent in some cases. There's they, no other business that takes a price increase like the, a tile company. They're not going to take a 20 percent increase on tiles and out of the kindness of their hearts, they'll charge the same price. They're not going to yeah. do it at all. Your food distributor is not going to do it. The price goes up on broccoli. They are charging more broccoli, more for broccoli. But That's restaurants. True. We have the opposite mentality. We're like, okay, how can I buy a cheaper product to keep my price the same, which doesn't work? Or they don't change the product, just keep the price the same and not, they don't have a system set up to price to the price checks on each yeah. invoice. And all of a sudden, something goes up 3% one month, three months later, it goes up another 3%, four months later, it goes up another 4%. You're up 12% already in six months and you haven't changed your price and done anything. And now all of a sudden it's like, you. then you decide to start running food costs, right? You're like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get my act together. Maybe this whole inventory thing is the is the answer and throwing food costs is the answer. And they're like, oh my gosh, I have a 40% food cost. What yeah. do I do? I cut portions down and I buy cheaper food. When you could have solved the problem easier in the beginning by incrementally bumping and have your customers not even notice. Yeah. And um, you know, and again, like the lost leader is a big thing. Huge. If you get them in your door for one amazing value, they don't care about the other prices. This is why dollar oysters work, right? I go to a place and I order 60 oysters, my wife and I. We make a lot of friends at the bar that way, by the way, when a platter of 60 oysters come out. I don't, I, care what they, I don't care what they charge me for a glass of wine. They could charge me $9 a glass of wine or $18 a glass of wine. I've already made out because I've got my dollar oysters. They could yeah. charge me double for the wine. I don't care. But if you're going to charge me $3 an oyster and $18 a glass of wine or $15 a glass of wine, that, that might be like, ah, okay, I might go there sometimes. But mm. I'm going there when I'm in the area for dollar oysters because it's awesome and charge me whatever you want on wine. You're I don't care. totally right. You. Right? You're totally right. You're totally right. Yeah, that's that's the thing too. It's like, look, for, for us on, on, on the ad front, you know, I I I, I love what you're talking about. You're, you're, you're breaking down these specific price points. I think no one really thinks about ever at this level, by the way. Seriously. Like no one ever thinking about this. Thanks. Adding seriously, adding just adding four cents to ninety-five to ninety-nine makes the difference over the course of the year. That's your ad budget. There you go, boom. And a very fair point about the oysters too, by the way. Um, you have really unique strategies though, as far as getting people in the door for the first time though too. You mentioned something on our last call, which was um, you're you're partnering with Airbnbs. And hundred percent. So we spun off a yeah. We let's, spun let's, off can Airbnb. you talk about this? 
That was so unique. I, I've never heard anyone say this. So, okay, by the way, any restaurateur listening right now, uh, pay attention. This, this, is, this is really good. This is gold. <laughs> so, this is, this is gold, <laughs> literally. Okay, so what is this again? So most point of sale systems have custom QR codes where, you know, you can put on all your picnic tables outside a QR code. You know, it's table 101, 102, 103, 104, 105. All right. So with that being said, Airbnbs during the pandemic, hotels were, were dragging. Of course, people didn't want to be in, in settings of, you know, the masses and Airbnbs were popular to begin with. I mean, look how quickly Airbnb overtook Hilton as the number one hotelier in the country, right? It was just insane how quickly that happened. Yeah. So Airbnbs were here before the pandemic. They were here during the pandemic and they're going to be here anyway, whether it's Verbo, home away, whatever, whatever you want to call them, the guest houses. They're in your area. They're all over the place. You wouldn't realize that a block away from you, people are staying there as guests every weekend and during the summertime. And, and if you can start networking with those Airbnb owners, right? We used to do bed and breakfast nights. So my restaurant back in 2009, 2010, when we joined this mastermind, we would do an open house. We'd invite every single bed and breakfast owner in our region in for free dinner and an open house. Right. That's what it was. And we'd they'd all leave with menus. They'd all leave knowing who I was, where the restaurant was, tasting our food so they could recommend us. It worked fantastic. Now, fast forward, Airbnbs are who you have to be speaking to. And there's, I can guarantee you, there's probably five to 10 times more Airbnbs than there were bed and traditional bed and breakfasts in your area right now. You start networking with those owners. You start getting samples of your food to them. You understand, they understand who you are. In some cases, we you know we have we have luxury houses as well, luxury high end, you know, two thousand a night, twenty five hundred dollars a night. Um, we advertise full service chef offerings, so we send a private chef in, and they cook for them. We offer babysitting, we offer um, um, cleaning services, we offer everything that a hotel would offer. And remember, I came from the Broadmoor and the Greenbrier top-notch five-star properties in the country services everything so we offer the same amenities that those places offer you Ooh. want you need a massage we'll send a masseuse right we'll oh no that. way i didn't know this wow right so yeah so it goes above and beyond and, and you've had you'd have you you will find a lot of hosts homeowners that don't want to manage their property you can step in and start managing properties for 15 20 up to 30 percent once you get your act together and manage the the, the top dollar coming in and then provide your restaurant services to these places. And once you get four, five, six Airbnbs that you're in good with um, that recommend you, this is amazing. You charge on top of it at these Airbnbs. So it's these luxury ones. Um, you charge a lot for dinner. You charge for your staffing. You charge for everything. And you know, before before we even open our doors tonight, you do go to an Airbnb for 20 people and you charge 120 bucks a person and plus a staff bill. Like you're already ahead of the game. And it's simple, wow. stuff, it's simple stuff that comes right off your menu. Now, to take this a step further, you get big magnetic postcards, big magnetic magnets printed that go onto the refrigerator with that QR code that's customized from your POS that has a picture of your food. This da 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 da. It goes right into the refrigerator, the Airbnb. The guests can scan it. The order comes in, the to go order comes in. If you do delivery, that's perfectly fine as well. And I know what Airbnb is ordering from me. I know it's this Airbnb on this because that's the table designation number is the Airbnb name. Yeah. So now if you get this throughout all of the all of the Airbnbs um, through your area, you just have a constant pipeline of to go orders coming in, 
um, catering options. Some places do weddings. Our property, our big property does weddings. We do weddings up to 150 people there. And I can store all of my stuff. I can store all of my stuff in the garage area. I don't have to run around like crazy. Oh, my God. Now when people want to book a wedding with me, I go, you want it at the restaurant or you want it at our Airbnb property? And they're like, oh, you have an Airbnb? So I come take them. They're like, oh, my gosh, of course I want it here. And, you know, and then, oh, my gosh, we need more than we have 40 people that need to stay over. Great. Here's another property. Here's another property. Here's another property. You can say it whether I host it or not. I'm the host or not. I can recommend them out. And you need to work with the Airbnb owners and hosts. You need to be their friend and they need to know who you are. Honestly, just started. I, I haven't executed this fully. I just started an Airbnb support group for hosts on Facebook. Wow. I want to connect to more of them. I want us there to support each other and connect with more of them. And my goal is to get more Airbnb owners and hosts on that Facebook group. So we all know who each other are. Um, now, this, how is, the, this is amazing. Just real quick, by the way, though, what kind of point of sale do you guys use? We use a company called GiveX, GiveX Vexlor. Okay. So Got it. they've been in the game a long time. They're not really, a re- they are a restaurant POS. Um, they are in retail. They're in 75 countries. They're based out of Canada. Wow. Uh, we've been using them for 10 years and they've made a lot of updates for us specifically. They only have, you know, several hundred clients in the U S but they're a big company and they started out as a loyalty program because loyalty is so important, right? So they started out as loyalty. They could not find any other POSs to, to back then, you know, 15 years ago to, you know, connect an API and, and, and integrate. And so what they did was they just started their own POS company and they're very strong in the retail sector. Um, I would say, I would say what, what you guys have with being able to create that QR code, I would say, I'm, I'm sure probably toast has that. I'm sure probably they Square do. can do that. They all but do. Every single one of them has. Do they? Okay. Yep. So, you know, it's part of one of the features now you're printing because especially with COVID you print a QR yeah. code, slap it on the table and um, the guest orders right there. They can pay right there. And it the, and the food just comes to your table. If but this you're, is, this, this, but this is such a hack. Like I, I, this is insane. I mean, talk about being able to generate demand and also generate demand at scale. Like if you're getting used to some of these parts are like 20, 30 plus people. Yes. I, so I'm, I'm assuming these, these are massive Airbnbs. There's some of them six, big, seven bedroom, yeah. six, seven bedroom properties. The one, our big Airbnb last year brought in almost 50,000 in catering, catering services. Oh my God. And wow. it's food off of our menu. That's super simple. You you just take all the food out of the kitchen. We mark the steaks off ahead of time. The potatoes yeah. are done. We show up and we make pretend we're cooking, right? And, and, they, so, and, and what's what's the deal with with the homeowner? Is is it like they're getting a percent of the sales coming through, or how does that work? They're happy to offer a house with private chef services. It's so that's their property ahead. Wait, so they're not taking any percent of this? Zero. Oh my god! See, this this is amazing. I mean. I, I'm sure there's some people listening to this right now that are thinking, what the hell? Like, how, how, this is insane. I mean, really. So the, so the next question is, how do you get in touch with these? Because Airbnb is very secretive about this, right? Absolutely. So you, 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 have to, you have to actually book you have to actually book a house to be able to get the, the host's number and stuff. And you yeah. don't even know where. The, and if the house isn't available, the times you're searching, you won't find that house on the market. So there's a program out there called AirDNA. AirDNA. And it's a subscription, 20 bucks a month for the, for your area. And it divulges everything about the house, how much the nightly cost is, how much it made the last 12 months, it's address, everything. No way. And and then it says contact. Wait, sorry. One more time. AirDNA.com. Yes. And then you contact the host right from there. 
And um, there you go. So you pick, oh, you, pick the, you pick the you pick the highest properties in your area. So now you know, like our one property brought in two the one we host brought in two hundred and thirty thousand last year. We're gonna do it to over three hundred thousand in rental fees, rental fees <laughs> okay. on it. So oh, now this is, this is so, amazing. So if, if sorry, was, what? What do you what do you make it on this total on all these Airbnbs you're doing? Yearly? So you so you charge percentage fees for your hosting if you're a host, and you can literally yeah. spin off another company company like this, um, and you know you can do property management from this. If you want to start a small property management company, now don't forget if you start a property management company, you know you take off the top end of everything, right? You just take everything. That's how they do it. They of they build certain percentage and they take off the top end. Same thing with a general contractor, right? They hire a sub for a hundred thousand and they bill 125,000. So, you know, there's, there's money on every single level here. Um, it, 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 wow. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And, you, and, so, and, and again, you're doing more than just serving the food and, and providing the chef. You're doing all these things. It depends on what house it is. Some houses wow. we just, we're just a recommended caterer. Um, some houses we're just the full host. Um, there's more houses that were just a recommended caterer. So I, I don't I don't have the time and I don't have the the scaling abilities yet um, yeah. to do that. But you know, just to be the recommended caterer, the recommended personal uh, chef on the private chef on their website on their description is huge. So you go to AirDnd AirDNA, you put in your zip code, your area, and it'll show all the top performers on the top. This house brought in one hundred sixty thousand. This house is seven bedrooms, brought in two hundred thousand. This house is three bedrooms brought in 25,000 last year. So you really don't want to message a two or three bedroom house because there's no scaling ability in that. Yeah. You want to message the house that brought in the most money that has the most bedrooms that has the most headcount. And that's where you can send your chef, you charge a, charge a fee and you just you go at it and, and, and people love it. If they were going to a hotel, a full service hotel, they'd be paying these prices anyway. So if you yeah. think like, well, you know, the people that are cheaper, this certain people are paying this price anyway. They'll go to a hotel room. They'll pay the bartender 18 bucks for a Manhattan. They'll sit down and have a steak for $45, you know, and then they'll for go sure. to the, right. They'll do, they're going to do all this stuff anyway. I mean, literally so, I was, I was just in Mexico city last weekend and I was looking at an Airbnb at the four seasons. I chose the four seasons. I wanted the amenities. Want the amenities. So do damn I. Damn expensive. It's damn expensive. It's like it's like eight x the price. But yeah, when we travel, we want these things. So being able to bridge the gap on both of that—that's amazing. Right. Jesus, so good. So yeah, so Airbnbs are awesome. Verbo, Airbnb, any any website like that. Wow. Um, okay. Take advantage of. Damn. Okay. And and by the way, so and so this this is amazing. This is incredible. You personally also, you have this massive YouTube channel I remember you talking about, and you share a lot of amazing tips. What is what is your like long-term goal with that? What, what are you looking to do? Are, in the are beginning, you... in the beginning, I was making good money off of it. Okay. And I've made, I've made over $100,000 on YouTube on the payouts of the ad, click ads. I've made over $100,000. Cool. Um, slow process to build it up. Once it's built up, it just sits there and generates and generates and generates a check every month, um, which is great, residual income. Uh, but my goal of being on YouTube in the beginning was to get my word out. I wanted to, you know, let people know about my restaurant. I wanted to yeah. post topics that were educational, um, controversial, things like that, and just educate people and get people's attention was what I did. You know, I've called out other big chefs on there for what I feel is food fraud. And, yes. you know, so I've done, I've done series of those that have gotten massive attention. In fact, I even had a, because of those videos on food fraud, I actually had a production company call me and we did a sizzle for Bravo Network back in like 2012, a paid sizzle 
which means it's the highest level. The sizzle sizzle is what they need to sell to the to the network. Bravo paid this company to do a sizzle. They found my food fraud content, brought me down into New York, and we shot a sizzle for two days. And it went amazingly well. Of course, it's hard to get to the next level and get your own show. But at least I'm getting, I get a lot of calls from two or three a year where I actually go through a screening process for a show that might be in development or for an idea of a show they want to pitch. That's awesome. So, yeah. Man, you, but seriously, you have you have such the personality for it. You, you really do. And that's why Thanks. when I do the podcast, we were talking, I was like, Dan, this is a cool guy. We got, <laughs> we got to have him on the podcast. Thanks. <laughs> and that's, and no, and, and I, love, I love this stuff too, but I, I think what's so cool about you, Marcus, is that like, you're you're a chef, but you're more so than a chef. Is you, you're just a curious person to consistently learn more, uh, and go. teach, go. Uh, I I think when we spoke, I said, you know what? What was your motivation for your booking phone call with us? You're like, I love business, I love money, I love growth. Like that. I just typically I'll tell you this: when I get on these calls, usually, you know how it normally goes is this. Ah, uh, you know I I. I've just, I've tried everything. Nothing's worked. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm frustrated. I didn't know what to do. And I, I typically have those calls. And then I have you say, man, I just, I'm excited. I love business. I love, I love growing and, and let's just get after it. And I was like, yes, <laughs> so this is it. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So that's, it's, it's fun to see that. And, and it's, it's awesome. And I love to see your passion. And obviously it, your passion is, is obviously it's cool to see you pursuing it. And obviously it's working. It's awesome. Right. So, um, so I have a business coach yeah. and a lot of people are like, why do you, why do you have a business coach, Marcus? You're successful. Well, you know, oh my God. look at every single hall of fame athlete. They had a coach, mm-hmm. they had multiple coaches, they had a trainer, they had a, a specific coach, a batting coach. They had yeah. a head coach. They had a multiple level of coaches throughout their whole life from little league until, you know, the day they retire um, the major leagues and they wouldn't have done that without a coach. You know, it's like, it's like, I love the old, the saying is like, when you get a cavity, you're going to fix it yourself. You're going to go to a dentist, right? You would never say I'm going to fix the cavity myself. You're going to brush your teeth yourself. That's the simple stuff. Everyone knows how to brush your teeth. Everyone knows how to floss. Everyone knows how to mouthwash, but we're not experts when it comes to the next level. You know, we might be able to change a light bulb, but we can't install the fixture. You call this specialist, the expert for that. And so, um, my business coach pushes me. Um, I've had several business. Co- I've always had a business coach of some sort, and it's always about getting me to my next level. Yeah. How can I perform better? How can I learn more? How can I learn more? And you know, I still pay. I still pay exuberant prices for tickets to go places. I mean, you go to Grant Cardone's 10X. I just paid six grand a ticket for another event with Bradley and another another Andy Elliott in Scottsdale, oh, yeah. Six grand a person. My wife and I are both going. Sit up front for one day. People are like, yeah. what do you mean? I'm like, no, no, I'm brushing shoulders with Andy Elliott and, and Brad Lee. We're going out to dinner. And all, I mean, like, I'm already in yeah. Brad's program. So Brad already knows who I am. But, you know, it's just like this. But is just, just, but just like you said in the very beginning of this podcast, you said knowledge is key. And and, is. and, and, and you're so right. I mean, uh, and by the way, just real quick, I, I'm glad I saw you post some more TikTok so I can see, I can see you're making moves on it. It's a powerful yeah. platform, by the way. But, Going to what you're saying here about about business coaching and, and all this, like I, I think what you said, you know, hey, why you know you, you're good at this? Why you have a business coach? It's the most ignorant thing, you know. I think anyone could ever say. There, it's like, like you said yourself earlier, also, right? Like I don't need advertising. I don't need that. I, I'm 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 already this and that, and whatever. There is so much to learn every single year. I'll tell you, especially on the marketing front, 
so much is changing in the technology side right now. The, the kinds of things that we were doing as an agency just a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, oh my God, it, it is a completely different game. Not to mention though this, is that in marketing especially, there's certain things that, that have a, a lifetime of success and then they're over. Um, talk about YouTube, for example. God, YouTube 10 years ago, if you were on that platform, you could have just gone to a million subscribers, no problem. Right. You could have retired. People retired. People made that where they did that full time, yeah. full time. I, mean, I was making twenty five hundred dollars a month in the ad apocalypse hit. And yeah. I went from two hundred twenty five hundred a month to five hundred, three hundred. And, yeah. you know, and th- those things can change anytime. If you have all your on YouTube, you know, I mean, twenty five hundred extra for anybody a month is like cool. It's cool side. I mean, that's, that's your car payment. Some payment was mortgage payments. Some people's rent payment all for getting to a platform and doing what you love and sharing, sharing what you yes. know or documenting yes. your journey. Yes. Sharing and what so you look, don't know. Facebook, check this out. Facebook in 2018, when we were running ads for restaurants, we had this, we created this whole like messenger marketing strategy, which was basically like drive an ad into Facebook messenger with a coupon. Someone brings in the restaurant. Have you seen that before, by the way? Or we no? still use it. You still, you still do that. Okay. Still well, do we that. talked about this. Okay, so I was basically, I don't know if I was the first or one of the first to do this with our company years ago. I think I showed you our work from ManyChat. So we yes, were doing, yeah, we did, yeah. we've, we've done more restaurants on ManyChat than anyone else on the planet. And that strategy when we did it years and years ago, Facebook contacted us and they said, what, what, what is this? What, what are you doing? And I explained and they're like, holy shit. And so they sent actually a team to two of our restaurants. One was in New York and one was in... Rhode Island, I believe. And they sent a video team to shoot at the restaurant to show the process. They had never seen this. By the way, the way you're doing it, I believe you're doing it with what? Birthdays, right? So like birthdays, birthday, seven, seven, birthday. day, seven day lead ad on Facebook. So if I was still to be doing that, by the way, that would be the only one I'd be doing, by the way. Because the way we were doing it before, what, 2018, 2017, that kind of that era, I don't know, I'm losing track of the years, but. We were getting people inside the restaurant, in some cases for 30 cents. Oh my gosh. It, it, it was like, it was, it was literally stupid. And, and we were capturing a phone number and email in the process too. We do too. It goes right to Google Sheets and we zap it over yeah. right to our CRM. Exactly. So you got, you got it, it, it builds up. a list. It builds a list yeah. every single day. And if they don't walk in my restaurant, they know who I am and I can Exactly. Yeah. And so you know the power of a list building and all that, but just look at those numbers now. By the way, I'm just kind of curious for you guys, <clears throat> as far as advertising today, because Facebook, as of, I'd say the last six months, has gotten really screwed with the iOS 14 update. Um, by the way, for everyone who doesn't know what that means, so Facebook relies off a lot of third-party data. And so what, what Apple did recently with an update is, is they, they've kind of cut off Facebook being able to pull data back and forth through an iPhone. Uh, and so it's, it's affected ad costs. Has it affected you guys in, in some ways, or have you not noticed it too much? We didn't notice it too much. I mean, the only ad costs we really do are birthdays. We literally spend five bucks a day um, okay. to, yeah. to 10 bucks a day. That's it. But literally, if I spend 150 a month, five, day, five bucks a day, 150 a month, all I need is one redemption to cover the cost. That's amazing. That's it. That's it. Two, um, great. But all the acquisitions I get in emails and, and phone numbers, it, it then, you know, once I get their full information, then I send them a postcard six by nine 
So the following year, they get this for their birthday and they can't ignore this. I mean, this is unignorable in your in your mailbox. I mean, but you prefer that over just an email? Hundred percent. Thousand percent. Oh, really? Thousand thousand percent. Why is that? We've been doing lead emails like that for years. Great birthday offers. And we still have the same birthday offer on email and on this. Certain nights I have four, five, six of these come in a night. If I have four or five or six emails a month come in, that's it. And I have 10,000, 12,000 people in my database on my emails. I have their birthdays. Yeah. And, and, you know, if they don't open it, we resend it again. If they don't open it, we resend it again. What about, what about texting? You guys, you guys text your list too? Not yet, but we're doing that. We just, uh, we just got into high level and I got a Twilio account and we're going to start doing, doing some text message marketing. Nice. Okay. So you guys are using, you guys are good. Okay. Got it. Nice. Cause I would say that too, is like, Damn, being being able to, to text an audience today is, is is so clutch. By the way, on the email yeah. side, what, what are your guys' open rates? Do you know, top of mind? Twelve percent, eleven percent. I mean, it, question: it, Are it's, you are, when you send these emails out? Are you using emails with like a lot of pictures and graphics and HTML and all that stuff? Like, are they looking all fancy? We are. We are. Okay. So, what I would say: use the use all those designs as sparingly as possible. So if you need all that, the pictures, the graphics, this and that, to get your point across, go for it if you need it. Anytime you can send an email that has as little graphics and HTML as possible, though, you're going to get a much better open rate. You're going you're gonna to get in less of your customer's spam folders. So I'd be willing to bet if you just made that switch, you, you probably would bump it to like 18 to 20, honestly. Probably so. I heard Ryan Dice say that two or three years ago. Yeah, I did it a handful of times. I was like, man, I need pictures of my email, you know? So, yeah, I, 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 should, I, I I'm, I'm going to test that out. I'm going to test that out. Thanks for I reminding mean, even me about that. If you've, if you've seen our emails from our, our list, it's like, they're so basic, but like the way you're going to get people excited is in, is in the, is in the, in the copy. Right. So then your subject the copy, line. Right. Yeah, that's right. it. Right. Yeah. Uh, ours is loaded. Ours is loaded with, with links to, um, to videos you know, I got gifts yeah. in there, you know, show some excitement of like a cocktail being made and you click it and it goes to the video. I got so a lot this. going on. So then do this, send out an email, make it just super basic and have all the bells and whistles on that landing page you drive them to. Exactly. You know, that's a great idea. Love that. Take a note. But that would, yeah, that would take be huge. Notes. Yeah. Cause like, honestly, like it's, it's one of those, it's one of those things where like, I mean, personally, I, I'm a huge design guy. Like I, I love things looking really cool and sexy and beautiful and colorful and this and that. And then my partner Jace is like total opposite. He doesn't give a shit. He's just like, does it work? Do the, num- do the numbers add up? <laughs> right? Does it work? So it work. for a while I, I, I fought him on this. I was like, I, but it's just, it's not going to do the same. And at the end of the day, I think our, our open rates to our list are 40%, which that's is insane. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's yeah, that is insane. That's so, but here's the thing too. When you realize people on your list also aren't opening the emails or they haven't for a while, just get rid of them. Cause that's, that's affecting you. Okay, good. We tag, we tag them 60 days out, six months out. They get tagged and put into a different list. Perfect. Okay. So, so and then I know that's the first list that I send the postcard to. Okay. They're first on my list for a mailing. Nice. Mail. Damn. So you are, you are a good marketer. You know, what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably also you're probably the only restaurant tour I've spoken to that has actually said the words many chat or at least <laughs> there's, no, there's not many of them <laughs> like literally um, God it's it's so it really is interesting though um, 
So what, what else are you guys doing on the on the like acquisition front to bring new people in? Any any other kind of strategies you guys have implemented as of recently? You know, so um, a great way for do do acquisitions is we love so we, we like to do some some lost leaders, right? Lost leaders yeah. are great for us. We do these wine dinners. We used to do these formal wine dinners. It used to be eighty bucks a person. Um, four courses, five courses, and, and paired with wines. And the pandemic had killed all that. Yep. Pre-pandemic, that that format was out the, out the door anyway. We do wine dinners now for twenty nine bucks, four wines and a dish, twenty nine dollars. And I we encourage that. people to bring friends in. We're like, bring your friends, bring your friends. So we took Monday nights, which is a slow night in the restaurant industry. Back in June of 2020, we started this concept when we could have dining back in, and not in our building, but on our premises. We have a great big garden. Yeah. And back then, we were able to sell wine to go in bottles. So I was bringing people in for 29 bucks for di- for one dish, which is an appetizer, our choice. We get to pull something off of our menu or use something we need to use up. It doesn't really need to match the wines, but we put a menu down. The people order more food. It goes from 29 bucks a person to 55 just like that. They order more wine. They order food. They get their one dish. And at the time of that, we had a good year plus that we could sell bottles of wine to go. Every wine dinner, I was selling five to seven cases of wine out the door at retail cost. And my vendors were like, what are you doing, Marcus? Like, you've never sold this much wine ever. And wow. I'd mark each bottle up between 6 and $12. That's all I need to do is mark it up 6 and $12. I was putting consistently five hundred to a thousand dollars extra profit, profit in the register on a wine dinner after the lost leader, after they were ordering more food and more wine at the table. Oh my god! And this is a perfect example of how a lost leader works, right? Where can you go for on a finer dining experience for it's four four tastes, which is two full glasses of wine, almost two glasses of wine, and a dish for twenty nine bucks. It, exactly. It's right. I still yeah. do this format to this day. And every, now, now we do it every week because we do a beer dinner once once every other week. We do a wine dinner every other week and we'll mix a cocktail one and then we don't do a beer one. And 29 bucks and a dish is what it's called. It's four four wines, four beers, or four cocktails and a dish. And wow. we have the same crowd that comes in every week and they keep bringing more friends in and more friends and more friends in. That is so good. Damn. So... I know that your your business coach and this and that they aren't giving you these these specific strategies. Are you just basically testing things, seeing what works, and then running with it? Basically, I test, I test and run, I test and run, and I go back to all my clients with the ideas that have worked for me. Um, yeah. And I still am part of a, a coaching program. It's non restaurant coaching, um, but I also still have my own formal master informal mastermind where the people from my old mastermind group we all still talk. Some yeah. of us still don't go get go on vacation together. We go on food and wine and culinary excursions together. I'm literally on the my, on the phone with my one friend every other day, and we're talking about business, and we yeah. throw ideas off of each other. You know, and he called me yesterday. He's like, Marcus, you won't believe this. And he just opened up a comedy club in his one brewery, cleared some space, busted through the wall, and has a comedy club going on there too. He goes, you know, my first show I, I sold out. He goes, so what can I do now to make it even better? He goes, I took my first front row. And made them VIP seating and charged five times the price than I would have paid the time before. And he goes, I sold every seat in VIP and every seat still. And nothing's changed. They were just front. All the tables were front row at this point. And he goes, those are all the VIP tables at a premium price. And I sold them all out. Same service, same thing. He goes, and he said, Marcus, the takeaway for me is have a VIP, a VIP option every event you do. 
whether it's and whether it's meeting with you like we we do a, we do this what's called 99 bottles of wine on the bar talk about a lost leader yeah, we take we take all of our one off bottles of wine that are last vintage within a certain price point samples, because a lot of distributors walk in and hand you a sample. And yeah. then if you work with your distributors, just say, hey, I'm doing this big wine tasting. Do you want to come and pour your wine and talk to our guests? And nine out of ten of them say, yes, I do want to do that. I'll bring in four bottles and I'll set up, you know, at the corner. And so once a year, we have literally ninety nine bottles of wine lined up on our bar, four, five, six salespeople in samples extra wine. So like you want to move something on your wine list, it's the last one, pull it off, put in the, and we do all year long. So I have on my shelf over here in front of my desk, I literally have all hundred bottles already lined up. It's $49 a person. They get to come in and drink from one thirty until five. It's designed as an industry tasting. So everything's lined up on the bar. We have oh people pouring. A lot of our pourers are volunteers. So they want to drink themselves. So they're volunteers. So I'm not paying staff that much. Um, we pack in 50, 60, 70, I'm only a 55 seat restaurant. So I pack in 50, 60, 70 people for this. But if you want to come drink wine with me from wines from my cellar, the hour earlier, the VIP tickets are twice the price. I go to my (laughs) cellar, I go to my cellar. I pour out, I pull out four bottles or so. And we sell like 20 tickets to the VIP, 15 tickets to the VIP at twice the price. So, um, and this is amazing because I get half of my bottles are samples. I don't pay for them. The other half I paid six, seven, eight, nine bucks, 10 bucks, 12 bucks, 15 bucks is like the highest price point we go to. Yep. And at the end of the day, I would say there's, gee, there's probably a quarter of the wine left to a third of the wine left. It all gets dumped into a bucket, frozen in quartz. And that's our sangria wine for the next two months. Oh my God. $9 a glass for sangria. This is so good. God damn, I'm so glad we had you on the podcast. <laughs> that was so fire. Oh, God. Right? So you, you, cre- you create a lost leader of a big wine tasting. It really isn't a lost leader, but it's the, it's the event. It's the attraction of like, hey, oh, God. everybody's 99 bottles of beer on the wall, 99 bottles of wine on the bar. Come help so us good. drink. Come help us drink. God, I, I know so many of, of our wine bar clients right now that if they hear this, so I got to talk to them about it because it's such a good idea. Damn, this is this we've, is this we've is, been doing that for over a decade. Over a decade, people wait for us to announce the tickets are going on sale. Have you have you ever? I'm kind of curious on, on like the whole VIP thing. Any other kind of VIP strategies you've you've done? Because I've always believed that too. I mean, <clears throat> we don't do it a whole lot anymore. But like a couple of years ago, we used to do me and my partner and I would do these. We'd call like VIP days with us, and I think we charged. I mean, maybe this sounds crazy. We we were charging ten grand for the day. Beautiful. Just sit, just be with me and me and my partner Chase for the day. We'll come out to your business and we'll just do a full day of whatever, whatever, whatever you want. Really, is whatever. That's it was. awesome. That's awesome. And it it was great. We 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 did probably like one a month. That was it for a little bit. But it it was like, dude, it was ten grand for a day. It was incredible. For a day. For a day. Yeah. That was it. And and, so, and you know it was cool. But I, I I've always said like if you can give yourself for some kind of really high ticket VIP thing, do it. And you a hundred percent. You got. You should be doing that, I think, like on a regular basis because you have so many cool, interesting ideas. So we, do a, we do a we do a, an annual VIP membership, platinum membership. Yep. Um, so the guests come in for nine hundred ninety-seven dollars. They give it to us up front at Christmas time, and uh, they get tw- uh, twelve one hundred dollars gift cards. So all year long, first of the month, they get a twelve hundred dollars gift card. But it's not a digital gift 
gift card or, or small gift card. We actually took the time to print out these massive eight and a half by 11 thick postcards that says platinum VIP member on it. And we write their name on it and they walk in, they walk in with this massive postcard that says platinum member, Roma time VIP. And they pop it on the table and it's an attention grabber. It's like, it's like they're showing off. They're pulling up with, you know, a fancy car. Here's their membership. So yeah. So we sell several of these. I have friends that have done this that have sold 65 of those. Wait, so what is it? What is What does that give you though? The VIP? It gives you $200. It gives you $200 extra a year. You pay, you pay a thousand dollars and you get $1,200 in gift cards, but a hundred every month. So it's a drip. It's a drip of every, every, every month. And what we find Wait. is, you pay a thousand and you get a hundred dollars every month, basically. Yep, like you said, for twelve right? months. Okay. Yep, so you get two hundred dollars free, you get twenty percent. And what we found is, if you go to your best customers, you go, they become even better customers. They become better guests. Is They're, it all up front too? By the way, you pay the thousand up front. You pay the thousand up front. So right. Christmas time, holidays time, whenever you want to do it, that's when you get. I have literally have friends that have sold 65, 75, 85 of these in a season. What oh, business? God. What business couldn't <laughs> use sixty-five grand going into January? Oh God! Right, and it's so, all cash. Most mostly cash. Now, what? Now, now we've also offered a twenty-five hundred one and a five thousand dollar one. Right. So too? you don't. You very rarely do they sell, but you're not going to sell unless you offer it. Yeah. Right. And Might then as well brings, try. Then it brings the thousand dollar one back down. Right. If you could overprice your your one on one with you that one the, the VIP to thirty thousand twenty thousand or oh you know we have a ten thousand dollar option too, people be like oh yeah it brings the price down. We've always been told I've always been taught to like put like a local house by you real estate wise yeah. put it on your menu like oh this house sold for one point three million so as they're going through your your menu and they read oh look at this house that sold in the area one point three million an eighty dollar steak or a fifty dollar steak isn't much compared to a one point three million dollar home. So good. So we used to put, we used to sell water ionizing machines, which go up to like seventeen, eighteen hundred dollars. So you like, it was like you love our water. Take a machine home, seventeen hundred dollars. So then, when they look at the stakes and other menu prices, it totally screws up their perception. And a fifty dollars steak is no longer the highest priced menu item, right? right? Brings them down a level. So that's a great strategy too for, um, and you know, and you can literally say, you know put the ultimate surf and turf on your menu, right? So you just put this outrageously priced thing on your menu. Who cares if you sell it? Because it brings, as long as you use those components in other dishes, it brings the reality down. Like I'm not going to splurge, not get the surf and turf for 90 bucks, but I will get the steak for 55. Yeah. It, this reminds me of, uh, you know, the the guy, Salt Bay, who's straight, he goes like this whole thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I, I uh, they have a restaurant now here in Beverly Hills. And I, I, I went um, month, maybe maybe a year ago at this point uh, with my girlfriend at the time. And uh, it was, it was such a hilarious experience. So he was there, which was fantastic. Okay. I, I did have to get the tomahawk steak cause he comes up and cuts it and it was really cool. Um, but I got to tell you the menu, check this out. I don't know if you know this or not. It's so absurd. And of course it just does really well in LA cause everyone in LA wants to impress everyone else and whatever. So they have the menu with you have they have a burger, they have a tomahawk steak, they have all these different cuts. But then for like another grand, you can get everything on the normal menu, but coated in gold. 
Gold. Yep. <laughs> it, I would, I swear to God, I would say probably one in five tables of looking around. It has the gold plated cheeseburger. It has the gold plated tomahawk, and it's the same thing. But same you thing. just add a grand to it. I it, a fifteen hundred dollars steak. Yeah. And people are doing it. Yeah, people are doing it. People are doing it. It's crazy. But, but if you don't offer that, you're not going to sell it. It's you're crazy. You're never going to yeah. offer it, right? So yep. I, t- I tell all of our clients, you just put it on there. Put a high price on something, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, just you put it on there and people might not get it that night, but they're like, you know what? I'm coming back on my birthday. They get a shot of the Grand Marnier 150 or the Louis Trey or that other great cognac. I'm coming back on my birthday to get that. Yes. Treating myself yes. a birthday. Right. And that's where the buzz starts happening about it. We know we our lead uh, birthday offer is a free ribeye steak. People yes. are like, How can you afford to give a ribeye steak away? What does it cost me to put it on the plate? Five bucks. They spend $112 average. Um, I would trade $105 for $112 all day long is what we're doing right now. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's a massive success. But it, now you're the talk of the town. Like, that's the, that's the place that gives away the free steak dinner. That's the place that gives away the free lobster dinner. That's the place that does that free thing. And we raised our prices. So I raised my ribeye, three bucks. Yeah. Put a up steak on the menu and raised my other stuff, two, three bucks. I'm wow. still paying. I'm still getting paid for it. Yeah. Because that lost leader, like those dollar oysters, is a talk. The free steak is more of a talk than anything else. <laughs> so good. I love this, man. So uh, just one last question. Maybe we've had so much. This this has been a really, really interesting podcast. I think everyone listening is probably just absolutely mind-blown. I'm mind-blown. This has been really, really cool. Is is there is there anything else that if you could put yourself in my shoes and ask yourself one final question, what would it be? What did I miss? Wow. Okay. So, you know. Even though I'm, a, I'm, even though I'm, even though I'm a professionally trained chef, even though I operate a restaurant, I'm in business. Yep. I've considered myself for the last decade to be a marketing maniac. Yeah, that's my first job every single day is to market my business. I love if, that. If I'm not marketing my business, or if I don't, I'm not paying somebody to market my business, I'm gonna get out marketed. When you get out marketed, you lose. Plain yes. and simple. People don't get they get out marketed, and restaurants don't run out of capital. I started my restaurant with $65,000, by the way. I now have liquor inventory every month of 50000 on hand. I love I that. started my restaurant in 2003 with $65,000. I ended up spending more because I came in debt and I put things on credit cards and this and that. I ended up losing my house and everything years ago. And, and, you know, and on the road to recovery, all that was taken care of. But it's not, it's not, that, I had, it's not that I had more money to recover. I had better marketing to recover. And restaurants are under-marketed, not under-capitalized. I'm so happy you said that because I could not agree anymore. This is this is exactly how we look at it, right? I always tell people this too. It's like we can't afford not to spend money on marketing. If we stop spending money on marketing, we start losing money, literally. Mm-hmm. 100%. I, I, I'm always running we're, – we're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Google, TikTok now too. By the way, TikTok, ooh. Yeah, we just started TikTok. We just started TikTok. After all this, we just started. Oh. I don't know why we waited so long. Okay, so check this out. This this will blow your mind. My clicks on Facebook to reach a qualified restaurant owner, we were seeing about five to six dollar clicks. That's bad. That's so high. In some cases, seven dollar clicks. And we got a really damn good ad team that knows what they're doing is perfect targeting. But Facebook's just been a little screwed lately. I went to TikTok. I got my clicks down to sixty cents. Now I got them down to 16 cents. Wow. 
16 cents. So we're probably going to shift our, you know, I would probably, we're probably going to start with about a 10 to $15,000 budget on TikTok monthly because you can, even if your targeting is not perfect, you're getting rates that are, that are 10x better than Facebook easily. So you might as well just blow it up. You literally right. just might as well blow it up. Right. And the thing is, right. this is what, this will not be a thing forever, right? We talk about like opportunities in the market and when they go away. TikTok right now is is still so hot and growing and still relatively small compared to other channels. And there's l- barely any advertisers. So there's very low competition. Right. So yeah, it, it's it's been incredible. Um anyway, man, so anyone who's uh listening to this and thinking Holy crap. That was amazing. How do, how do they uh, learn more about you? How can they find you online, Marcus? Sure. So there's several ways to find out about me. If you want to go to my restaurant, it's Aroma Time, T-H-Y-M-E Bistro, Aroma Time Bistro. And we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Um, me personally. So I have this great website called Restaurant Growth Secrets University. Restaurant Growth Secrets University. You can go to um, RGS RGS University, Restaurant Growth Secrets University or RGS University for short.com. And there you'll find tons of stuff that I've used over the years, like stuff we're talking about now. It's yeah. all, it's all, I've got it all on YouTube videos. All the videos are embedded there. It's all there. You have a lot of uh, some stuff for my book. By the way, my, my new book is getting ready to come out called Everyone Still Has to Eat. And it's about everything that worked in my business during the pandemic and things that I'm still going to use today and beyond. And I have about 20 things in there that, that were gold for us during the pandemic that we're going to keep going with. But my 50 mistakes was my first book, 50 mistakes that business owners make. And I used to have a ton of people ask me questions like, what are you doing, Marcus? Like, how'd your restaurant grow after, you know, you struggled for the first five, six years. How'd, how'd you grow it? How'd you grow it? And I was tired of doing one-on-ones with people. So I just one night sat in my office, locked myself in my office till five in the morning and made 50 short videos of the top 50 things. I think every restaurant should be doing. Number one is collect the database, right? Collect the yes. database. It was my food cost formula. It was, you know, um, how to manage a staff. You know, you're not a boss. You're, 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 you're a life coach to them. The top 50 things I can think of, I just jotted them down, launched the videos. And then when I, when people said, what do you do? I said, here, here's what I do. Go to this. And, you know, I've really never monetized that to its fullest, fullest extent, which we're doing now. Yeah. Doing the last couple of years. But I had so much that built my channel a lot, those videos. And yeah. you know, and all it's all that information is out there for free. Um, and of course, in there there's another portal in there. And you know, you can I can be your coach one-on-one and I can and I can help you with a bunch of this stuff. We do group coaching. But one of the most things we're exciting about right now is we're launching restaurant university. So this restaurant university is something that we coach you, we coach you, and then there's a platform in there where you can coach your team. And hold them accountable. And it's a two-in-one coaching program. I, I coach you and you coach your team. Total, totally different topics. You teach them everything about your restaurant, holds them accountable. And it's not a platform that hosts videos. It's a platform that makes them accountable. Super exciting. We're in the beta testing of that now. And we're gonna we're doing it with our team and we're gonna start launching with our clients. That is incredible, man. Uh, again, wow, this was such a pleasure, Marcus. Uh, I'm I'm so excited. Again, I'm sure everyone who listens to this today is absolutely mind blown. It has probably a lot of work to do now. <laughs> um, with that being said, uh, I look forward to speaking to you again soon, man, and uh, we'll be in touch. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks.